ready for another episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering? Good, here's Foggy. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 61, proudly hosted by North Central Indiana's Rock 98.5. Tonight, we try to figure out who's that band. We attempt to answer a live challenge from Metalhead Monday, and we review the amazing new record from Lamb of God. I'm your host, Foggy, and with me, as always, is Metalhead Monday. Step inside into his mind, his boy band time, it's Metalhead Monday. How's it going, everybody? It's going great. And joining us again is El Ray himself, Mr. Joe Reif. Hey, hey, hey. What's up? Not much. Back after a week off, we took off Father's Day, and uh, we just said before the show, it feels like forever since we were on, but we were really hitting it hard and fast there for a while, so having a week off was a little weird, but nice to be back. Mm-hmm. Joe, it's yep. nice to have you back in your uh, actual home rather yeah. than uh, on the road. On the road was different. Yeah, I was in Colorado the last time when we talked to our Greek friends, <laughs> which was a good show. Oh, that was awesome. Yep. They were fantastic. And they had a great record, too. So. Uh, I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. I wouldn't mind talking to uh, fellow Greek band uh, Ben for 11. That was a pretty good record as well. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a chance to check them out yet. I definitely want to. Yeah. Lots of good music coming out of Greece. I never <laughs> thought there was much of a metal scene or a rock scene there, but apparently it's way bigger than, than I gave it credit for. That was part of the fun of that conversation was how much we learned about the music scene over there and how, how things work. Yeah. And I, 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 I took that away from it anyway. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, who knew? Yeah, and it, the other thing I thought was really interesting was I always think sometimes that America, even though we're supposedly the leader of the world or whatever the heck that means, I always feel like we're some kind of backwater, you know, Hickville type <laughs> people. But it's nice to know that uh, in Greece they have some of the same issues with education um and you know views of each other their their fellow humans so it was nice to see that we aren't alone in our stupidity so <laughs> yeah. yeah their story to music and to you know being outcast it was pretty pretty um pretty common actually so it must be a worldwide thing <laughs> yeah well the world is getting smaller so that's true all right well let's get ready to do this show and uh, we're going to start off this week. We're going to do a little reverse order action. We're going to start off with Mr. Metalhead Monday with our weekly challenge. Okay, so this one's pretty simple. Um, just had to come up with something on the fly. Hopefully it won't be too difficult. So basically what I want to know, uh, we're talking about Lamb of God. So this album is their first album since... Their drummer, Chris Adler, left the band, and they have new drummer, Art Cruz. Um, so, From Prong, right? Uh, well, yeah. He was in a band called Winds of Plague, and then he was in Prong for a while, and yeah, now he's in Lamb of God. Um, I actually have a story I can share about him later if we have time. Oh, we will. But, uh, but um, so... Since this album prominently features a replacement member, I want to know who is your favorite replacement member. Oh, wow. Who came into a band that you love, that you thought filled that spot very well, gelled with the band, kept the sound going, or even changed the sound for the better? That's what happened. Tortilla Man. There you go. Only, only because I have his autograph as new guy. <laughs> um, I'm going to think of another one too, but yeah, that's uh, that's an easy one. Um, I bet Joe goes to uh, Pearl Jam drums. Actually, I do. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like when they got, they finally got down to Matt Cameron from Soundgarden, and it kind of felt like an all-star group after that. And then Matt was splitting time with Soundgarden. Uh, before Cornell passed away and then uh, went Pearl Jam full-time. But that kind of felt like a, a big get, you know, in the music world. That was exciting. But I'm still going to come up with another one, too, I think, if I can. Cameron's awesome. Dude. I mean, if you, <laughs> yes. if you can get a drummer, Matt Cameron's pretty awesome. So Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I think I have another one too. Oh, do you keep going? Go, go. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say Matt Cameron writes some really cool tunes on his own too. He has a real yeah, and that's where his rhythm is his sense of rhythm really shines is the stuff that he writes with his side projects. So what's um, the name of a side project? Uh the well water conspiracy. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. It's different stuff. I can come up with two off the top of my head, and they're both bass players. And they're connected in other ways, kind of. My, fir- my first would be uh, Cliff Burton, mm-hmm. because he replaced, uh, was it Ron McGovney, I think. Uh, you know, he's like the, the Pete Best of Metallica. <laughs> um, but... Uh, so yeah, so they had Ron McGovney on bass and then they went and they saw this dude. I don't remember the name of the band, but they saw this crazy wild force of nature, Cliff Burton up there playing bass and they're like, "Um, we want him." So, and that, you know, drastically changed their sound, I think. But uh and then uh I'm not going Jason Newstead for the next one. <laughs> but uh who I do love, but it's not where I'm going. Uh, but along the same Metallica line, um, when I first got really got into Suicidal Tendencies, uh, it was their album, I think came out in 1990. It's called uh, Lights, Camera, Revolution. And they had a new bass player, and his name was Robert Trujillo. And I, I mean... I had never heard anything like him and it's insane. He is a beast. He's an absolute monster to watch play live. I love watching him play. And uh, as you know, events play out the way they do, he ended up in Metallica. So (laughs) there's a connection there too. So that's two, two of my favorite replacement members I could think of. He played with uh, Jerry Cantrell as well. Yes, I, I so saw him good. play with Jerry Cantrell, and he had this. Um, uh, <laughs> he would take his bass guitar, lift it up by his armpits, like it was some kind of spear, and he was like, uh, yeah. stalking the band members <laughs> that were on stage. Which yeah, is, and, and I think at that point, does does he have like the the big long like uh, Willie Nelson braids? Sometimes, like sometimes, yeah, yeah. I think he was he was back there stalking around, and he had his long hair and his braids. Yeah, he's also he Fungal. played. Yeah, definitely. He played with Ozzy. Uh, I think he was on one or two albums of his. And uh, he actually, he was in Ozzy's band with uh, Mike Borden on drums from Faith No More. Mm. And then they both were on one of Cantrell's albums too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, speaking of uh, Cantrell and Ozzy, um, think about all the people who have come after Randy Rhodes. I mean, you're talking about replacing such fun. Oh, yeah. Part, but, you know, Jerry filled in for a short time. You had Alex Skolnick. And then, of course, you land on eventually, you know, Zach Wild, um, which is pretty freaking amazing that mm-hmm. you'd ever have both of them. But um, that's a lot of replacement, <laughs> good replacement. You're leaving out someone very important. Oh, th- there's like three or four guys in between there that. No, 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 no. One specifically. You're leaving out Brad Gillis from Night Ranger. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my bad. Uh, But yeah, that's a lot of of good uh, musicians playing with Ozzy. Yeah. Um, Replacement member stuff, it's kind of fun because, you know, sometimes people, I mean, anytime a band member changes, people complain. So. You know, it's some people love it, some people hate it, and usually ends up working out okay. So, and it's done so poorly sometimes too, especially when a a band is really commercially successful and the like lead singer dies, or they have to replace a vital member like a guitar player and a singer. Probably the two hardest people to replace. Bass players, yes, you know, can kind of come and go. Drummers, you lose a little bit of personality, but. um like when you lose somebody like a Lane Staley or I'm thinking of bands that have lost their frontmen and then, you know, Blind Melon kept going for a while there. And 
um, Sublime and you know, the list goes on ACDC. I mean, it's yeah. like to pick up a new singer is to take on a completely new personality. Mm-hmm. So Sub- it, Sublime's still going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sublime yeah, with true. Rome. <laughs> yeah. Whoever that guy is. I did think the guy that took over for Lane Staley, or I don't think they ever wanted to call him a replacement. He was, he was good. I, you're just not going to ever step into Lane's yeah. shoes, but no, he, he was solid. It is definitely a different sound, but it's very good. I like the the stuff that uh, was. It's William, right? Yeah, um, uh, William Duvall, I think. Or yes, something like that. yeah. I love the stuff that he's on. I like the albums they've put out with him. And I mean, it's it's different. It's not Lane, but it, it still sounds like Allison Chains. Yeah. So because you always got Cantrell there, and he sang so much anyway. Right. And wrote so, so much. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... Um, when, like ACDC, don't more people know Brian Johnson at this point anyway? I mean, people know the basic back in, stuff. Yeah, you know. Back in Black is like one of the best-selling albums of all time. And that yeah. was his first album with them. So. so Yeah, that's the way it works out. Yep. All right. Any last thoughts on that? That was great. I would... I kind of wish you had time to think about it because we could really dig in, but I thought of the Chili Peppers too. They, there's a band with a different sound that would be hard to swap and they had some really different cats playing guitar. Um, and I think they pulled off the switch well. I mean, you can say what you want to say about their music over the years. It's definitely changed, but um, they worked out some stuff in the course of changing guitarists. So that's been some interesting album to album changes for the chili peppers but could you change their bass player out no absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) there's the the next challenge what what member of a band is irreplaceable yeah i mean you you just cannot remove them and have the same thing so (laughs) maybe for a future date there you go all right well well done so we don't have a challenge for next week because I'm not even sure who has the challenge, but I'll tell you right now who has the challenge. It is T-Bags. So T-Bags will enlighten us this week at some... Oh, oh. there he is. Speaking of the devil. You summoned him. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, as I speak the name of T-Bags, he descends from above. <laughs> lands with a gentle splat. <laughs> That's it. I think I smell brimstone, or is that just sweat? Hello, <laughs> <laughs> uh, bro. Anyway, teabag. So what we were saying is, we just finished with our challenge, and um, you have the challenge next week. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> so if you know it right now, tell us. If not, you can tell us this week. Well, I don't know the specifics of it, but I had sent you, Steve. I think that. Yes. Um, so basically, it's kind of like a sweet sixteen bracket. But um, so we'll do it live on the air and we'll uh, it'll be just uh, different bands, different genres. And we'll kind of see. I haven't thought of the category for sure yet, but it's going to be a bracket style. See who wins. See who gets through. See, see who gets through. All right. Let, yeah, I, have- let me check my calendar. I mean, it's like almost July. It's not March, right? Right. Yeah. No. COVID. <laughs> no. We're, 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 we pushed it back. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we have to have consensus as we move through? Is that the whole point? Um, yeah, I think we have to arrive at something. It'd be nice if we have a an odd number of us on here so that we could, you know, majority rules so you can go through and why. Yeah. All right, we'll we'll do it. All right, yeah, we'll figure out the rules as we go. That's how <laughs> I live my life. Cool. All right, so at this point, we say challenge accepted. All right, T-Bags, you have the challenge inspired by Lester Bangs this week. Yes. Okay. So are you ready? I'm so ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I'm a little rusty, I think. <laughs> That's your nickname, Little Rusty. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, this solo project, Blank, which first surfaced as a fictional band on a sketch comedy TV series, has metal elements, totally gothed up groin music, and at the center of it all is Blank's voice. He tries out a number of tones here, including a blue-eyed croon and a growl that wraps around words. 
with a Bjork-like air of wonder as though he's discovering them for the first time. Blink sometimes winks too much, but he knows when to pull back from the brink of ridiculousness. This album's industrial funk is sharp and giant-sounding with a delightfully subver subversive sense of, of melody. The album may seem like a gag, but for him, this may just be his version of honesty. Jack Black? Nope. Oh. I'm getting attacked by something. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I see that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have man. hints, because they're needing hints. Well, let's talk it through hmm. first. Okay. So there's a growl and, like, whimsy of Bjork. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really, like, threw me off. Yeah. Um, it started on the show. Oh, man. Yeah, that's what's throwing me. I'm, like, I'm trying to think of if I had a time period. I don't know. That might <clears> help. But that we didn't get that. So, huh. Because I, you said started as a skit on a show, and like I, my, I immediately went to like Spinal Tap, but like that's not like a solo project. So, hmm. If you're wanting a time frame. It was after 2005. Oh wow! Oh wow! That's fairly recent. Huh? Wow. I don't think I have any clue. Mm -mm. Give us a hint. Let's just get some. I have two hints. I was gonna get. Joe, have I was gonna guess um, Mouse Rat from Parks and Rec, but I don't think that's right. But <laughs> no, that's a great guess. <laughs> I don't think he made an album. <laughs> um, hit number one. I'm afraid two would give it away. Hit number one is that he describes himself as a pimp without a dog, without a bone. What in the hell? That's, that's part of a lyric from a song. So. Wow. Obviously, that again. I have not heard. All right. So hit number two. Uh, the album features multi-instrumentalists, Danny Lohner, Lisa Geronimo, guitarist Johnny Polomsky, and Primus drummer Tim Alexander. Wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it didn't give it away. What was the first hint again? I, I missed that. Uh, a pimp? He describes himself as a pimp without a dog, without a bone. <laughs> well you've stumped me so this is the first time guy. ever tony gets the no prize as it were <laughs> jeremy um steve you'll I, kick yourself in here seriously mm -hmm. after 2005 yeah i feel like that means it came from like snl but oh, i wish <laughs> See, and Jesse and the Rippers was pre-2005, so. <laughs> um, Good pull, though. <laughs> the TV right. show part is what really throws me off. Yeah, that's where I'm stuck. Yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't focus much on that. That's just like a little, like, fun fact. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're all trying to come up with TV bands, or I am. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's, more the, it's more the case of having someone that would see a solo project through that has connections to bring in some good people and knows how to use sense of humor and pull it back to also have good music. Well, that's like Eminem or something, but he, I don't know of any, you got the M or you got the M right. Mike Marshall Patton. Mathers. <laughs> <laughs> Maynard James. Uh, oh, see, I was going to say that originally I thought, but it's not silly. Oh yeah, it is. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess some of the some of those B's, first songs were. This album is called "B is for Vagina," and the remix yeah. is "B is for Viagra." And the first song is uh, is it the country boner. <laughs> no, this <laughs> <laughs> uh, lady's got the thickness. Can I get a witness? Can I get a hell yeah? That song. Bumble. So what, what was the TV show? Um, I deleted it from there. It was a. Uh, let's see. Honest to God, that's what really threw me off. But it was on the sketch comedy TV series Mr. Show. Mm. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Wow! <clears throat> All right. Yeah, I never oh. would have got that. I'm not a huge Pulsifer. Uh, I can't even say it. Pulsifer fan, so well, I feel stupid. I, never... I love him, and I didn't get it. I figured you'd get the fact that he's always, even with Tool, he's got that kind of like silly side. 
but yeah, back, yeah. So. Well, definitely pretty silly guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, all right, excellent. Well, next week, JPP has the Lester Bangs challenge, so Sweet. hopefully, it'll be easier. But I'm so proud of you that you stumped Monday for once. Yeah, just outside of his wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you a list of bands that I don't listen to, and you guys can just keep doing those. Okay. <laughs> I will say, though, Monday, if you get a chance to see him in concert, you definitely should. It was a spectacle. Yeah, I can imagine. A wrestling ring and wrestlers, and it was so much fun. He, yeah, it was great. Yeah. All right. Fantastic, boys. And welcome to the show, Tony. Glad you made it. Yeah. That was was dinner. It was good. Just late. (laughs) But it was good. Can't go wrong with grilling. All right. You could, but apparently you didn't. (laughs) You can do it wrong, that's for sure. Yeah, you can take the spatula and mash it into the, you know, juice comes out. (laughs) Leave it on too long. I mean, there's a million different ways. (laughs) I did have a small little grease fire going, so it was almost disastrous, but it, it was all right. Good deal. All right. Well, that brings us to our album review of the week, Lamb of God. Um, I don't know about you fellows, but um, I loved it. I think it was a fantastic record. I have not had a chance to get through it, and I apologize. But that's all I could do to even jump on today. So I'm kind of here to like listen to you guys' review. All good. Yeah, this was this was a good one. I mean, I'm a ringer for these guys anyway. I've seen them live a couple times. I, I really, really love them. I was very excited to hear this. As I talked about earlier, this is their first album with their new drummer, Art Cruz. Um, so if you guys got time, I have like a quick story about him. Um, for sure. He used to play in the band Prong, which is one of my favorite bands of all time. And they played here in Kokomo, Indiana, which was insane. Mm -hmm. Um, So we saw him there and they got, they came down into the crowd and hung out after the show. And we were talking to him. And of course, Paul starts talking to Art and tells him he used to work at Oralex. And so... Art was like, wait, what? You work at Orlex? And but so contact made there. So mm-hmm. they start emailing back and forth. And Art told Paul, he's like, hey, man, if we ever play around you guys and you want to come to a show, just email me. Let me know. I'll put you on the guest list, blah, 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 whatever. So that happened because they played in Indy like the next year or something. And Paul emailed him and he put us on the guest list and I was Paul's plus one. And um, so we met the guys in prong like a couple times and got pictures with them and they were all really cool. And art is a super, super nice guy and such an amazing talented drummer. And I was beyond stoked when he got this gig that you, you hate to see, like I love lamb of God. So I hated to see Chris Adler leave the band, but if anybody's going to get the gig, it's pretty amazing that Art got it because he's a great dude and he's an amazing drummer. So I was very excited to hear this album and it did not disappoint. He killed it on this record. Yeah. And he also he kind of changed their sound a little bit because uh, if you go back and listen to older stuff, Adler, when he would play is I don't know what you call it. I'm not a musician. I don't know what the technical term for it is, but it's almost his snare sounded like he there's a switch you can flip and it takes the chains off the snare so it gives it kind of a different sound it's almost like a ping sound and uh best example of that i can think of or maybe the worst example is lars on uh anger (laughs) that's a really bad one but that's the idea like you know you, you flip the chains off and it's just kind of a ping sound on the snare Sounds like more of a Tom that way. Yeah, and Adler always did that, but Art does not. He's got the chains on, so it sounds like a more traditional snare. So he kind of, I mean, he didn't really change up the style too much, but the sound, it it definitely sounds different. Randy said the recording process wasn't any different 
with the new drummer that it all worked exactly the same way they always do it so yeah that's kind of cool just probably just being a professional drummer uh and being around knowing how to do that yeah he's played in a lot of different bands i mean so he's been around for a minute he's younger he's a little bit younger than the rest of the guys but he's been around um, how long how long has a guy been around jerry oh uh like what very late 90s or so yeah good okay. 20 years yeah this is the eighth album right something good. like that um you know what i love about this record and we've talked about this before you got to have a great album opener mm-hmm. and they killed it with this opener. The yes. fact that it's so soft when it comes in and it's got mm-hmm. the little girl whispering, wake up, wake up, you know, over and over. And then all of a sudden when it hits, he screams, wake up. Yeah. And it fits not only just like to wake up to get into the record, but the album is so pointed in all of its criticisms and reflections on society. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like the perfect album opener, the perfect opener for any set of songs or a story that this ultimately tells because every song has some major point that it seems to be making about society and politics and all that without naming names, being very general. Um, but man, what a perfect song to open that record with. Yes, Memento Mori is the name of the song. And it is awesome. That's the very first note that I wrote down is Randy sounds fantastic. So, and he does, it's like it, that quiet beginning kind of pulls you in, like you want to lean in and then it blows your head off with the, you know, that Randy coming in screaming there. And he, he sounds amazing on this whole record. That's an almost six minute opener too. There's a lot going on from there's two and a half minutes, three minutes of, of just the quiet stuff before mm-hmm. it kicks you. So you do have a good long time to be leaning in and, uh, then it takes off from there. Kind of gives you a feel for the chaos that's about to ensue in the next nine or ten <laughs> tracks or whatever. Yeah. So there's a lot of bands when they do something like that. They sometimes they'll make that opening like its own track or something, you know. But they, they didn't do that on this one, so it's kind of different, kind of cool. I like the way. Yeah, I thought that was fantastic the way that they did that. Um, it was just such a smooth transition from her whispering the wake-ups to him screaming it. And then I just love the idea, too, that just sort of calling out social media and all of us living our lives on social media. And then he says, I'm waking up from this wretched lie. I fight it the same. Don't waste this day. Like, pull away from it and live your life and achieve your dreams kind of thing. And uh, I thought that was just a great message. Yeah, there's a lot of social commentary on this album. I mean, that's pretty much all it is, which I had read before, like Randy had said when he wrote the lyrics. He's like, he's I'm pissed off, and it's it came out. So he's got every song says there's a couple of songs that almost touch on similar subject matter. Yes. But but it's all I mean, <laughs> it's pretty much top to bottom social commentary. Yeah. And he is pissed. <laughs> That track's cool. sort of a, a prologue too, because you know, just like in old um, old literature, Shakespeare, you know, would write a prologue that would tell the whole story. Mm-hmm. And Memento um, yeah. More, you know, remember that you'll die, kind of keeps it all in perspective. I kind of felt like, as you get into the social stuff, um, not only did this song have its own message, but it kind of, you know, was a prelude to the entire album and kind of put things in perspective. I'm gonna. I'm going to bring up all these things, but you know, in the end, remember we're all, we're all mortal. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of a, why waste your time? Look at things. So yeah, the way I took it. No, I think that's this a great take. Yeah. This was also one of the videos they've put out as this mm-hmm. one checkmate in gears. Maybe I don't, I think there's three videos. I don't remember what the third one is, but yeah. Yeah, and that brings us to Checkmate. This one turned a little bit more political, talking about the political systems. And I thought one of the the clever lines, you try to pick the lesser of, but evil doesn't come in twos, kind of stopped his train of thought and then said it. It's almost like he's saying that the two parties are part of the problem, but we play a part in it. So it was almost like he wasn't just attacking the system, 
but he was also kind of making a commentary on us that we allow it to go on. We don't make the change that's necessary. And I thought that was kind of cool because normally you just hear people attacking one side or the other and ranting about something, but he kind of pulls us all in here that we're all part of this. This isn't just kind of a singular problem that exists outside of us. We are in it. He he touches on that a lot through the whole album too, because he'll, you know, uh, for lack of a better phrase, he rages against the machine and say, you know, like they're doing this to us and they're doing this to us, but you have to wake up and see it and you're allowing it to happen. So, you know, do better. Yeah, it's a good reminder. Good. No, go. I just say it's a good reminder that we're not the only country with two parties. Um, you know, UK went through Brexit not long ago, and that was a uh, a mess as well. So we're not the only country on the planet that has a, a binary choice that doesn't seem very pleasant at times. So, sure. Yeah, and I think we would be remiss. We're talking about the lyrics and the meanings, but. There is some super cool guitar work, some grooves going on here, and some amazing drum work. I mean, these these songs are slaying it. Uh, yeah. They really hit you hard. It's fantastic. Yeah, I'd be curious to know how much of that... Like, I know Mark Morton writes a lot of the guitar stuff, but uh, the other guitar player who, who is... I think it's Charlie Adler. I don't remember if that's right. No, that's not right, is it? Willie Adler. I don't know. But anyway, it's Chris Adler's brother. <laughs> and he's still in the band. So, but uh, yeah, the two of them together are pretty amazing. But I think Morton probably writes more. So, yeah, he writes some of the lyrics too, I think. Yeah. Get a hand in some of these. <clears throat> All right, so brings up, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Joe. Yeah, I, I think that. The, the the riff on this one was probably the most interesting. It had the, the bass and guitar kind of intertwined, and he actually kind of takes off on a cool opening solo. I thought it was one of the, the better openers to speaking of the music. So I'm with you. That, you yeah. know, and I love the opening to uh, Gears, yes. the next one. Yeah. Because it had that sort of off-tempo drum beat mm-hmm. that was working against the guitar. I thought that was pretty slick. Yeah. I like the, kind of like the message of this one, too, because – like the title is gears and you're like, well, what's this going to be about? And he's, it's kind of just like about being, being a cog in the, or a gear in the machine and how the system's designed to like kind of keep you quiet and complacent and keep you there and make you want, think you that that's all you want, and, you know, keep working. So. When you just of- said that I was going to say, I think it should have been called cogs. Yeah. Because we are just cogs in this great machine, you know? Yeah, and they designed it that way, yeah. so that we'll be happy being there, always wanting more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was cool. I thought it was, good uh, turn of phrase in this one. I thought it was kind of a, a, a shot at the music industry too. I thought some of the lyrics were aimed at um, music people. How long has it been since they've made an album? Maybe seventeen. Uh, yeah, not terribly long. It's been a few years, but. Oh, there's some talk of like uh, empty actions to fill the time, uh, stuff that the music industry might be um, known for. <laughs> and, See, and that's you know, kind of the kind of the beauty of it is the interpretation. You can almost apply that to any business or industry. Right, anymore. right. So I wondered if there wasn't something, you know, behind the scenes, maybe with a tour, maybe with a festival that fell apart. You know, who knows? There's there's always something going on. Um, I haven't, uh, side note, I have a, a couple of guys that I still talk to that we were in a band together in college. And I thought about throwing our music up on Spotify just to have it there for people who listened to us back in the day. And I said, hey, I'm looking into this. And and one of the guys says, oh, well, here's what you have to do. You have to find a third party, pay them money to put the music out there so that Spotify can be talked to by it's like this go-between thing and i just made the comment i can't believe that the music industry would put a middleman um <laughs> unnecessarily in there to you know grab my hundred bucks or whatever so <laughs> sure there's more than a hundred bucks but anyway maybe that's what i had in my mind when i heard this song could be and you it was 2015 was the last one sorry so it's been uh, a minute yeah yeah uh yeah it depends on the person i mean some of them go three four five years i guess yeah um, the next song, Reality Bath, this was one of my favorites. There was yeah. something 
cool that happened with the with the choruses or with, with the verses in this song because we had the one element where it was singing slow it was more of a singing style um kind of setting the scene and then the next one is when he hit back with the anger mm-hmm. um, and i thought it was kind of neat that he went back and forth throughout yeah. this song which was cool yeah there's it also changes topics i mean it starts out and it's obviously he's talking about like school shootings and stuff and the culture around that and kids having to be afraid all the time and how insane that is and then it like hits a chorus and then it he comes back and he's he's talking about it's it changes changes gears completely and he's like talking about a a man kind of talking about a man and it sounds like dude in the jungle in this tribe that's kind of progress has come in and it's you know they're suffering through deforestation and losing their land and all that kind of thing and so it's kind of interesting to make that switch i think the key line is reject the new abnormal yeah which the new norm is really not good you know so what do you think joe uh, I love the the bass intro. Um, I love metal bass intro songs. I'm a sucker for mm-hmm. them. Uh, <laughs> so that was cool. Uh, the first verse I thought was a real gut punch. Uh, just the you know personal connection there. Um, seeing that uh, kind of reality that I live and work in, or the possibility. And then yeah, it does take a weird switch. I noticed that as well. Kind of an anti progress thing, but. The, that line, the new abnormal, really kind of gets you between the eyes. That was, you mentioned the bass intro. That's uh, John Campbell is the bass player, and he is, he's really good. And I feel like other than the intro to this song, he didn't have a lot of room to shine on this. He's kind of no. lost in the mix. And, you know, he's doing whatever he's supposed to be doing. But other than this intro, he's just kind of lost in the mix. Usually in an album like this, they don't get much love, which is I always kind of gravitate towards the songs where they let him take off on a on a riff at the beginning of a tune. I I like the drum work in this song as well. I thought it was some of the cooler drum work on the album. Speaking I think of sessions, all of the instrumentation on this was tight. I think. Oh, very much so. Very slick. Okay, new colossal hate. Yeah, it's a great title. <laughs> it is a great. T- I got a question for you before we get rolling on this. When when he said talks about she, is he talking about Lady Liberty or the idea yes. of liberty in America? Is that the very gist? much? Yes, okay. that's what my notes on this one was. Like, it's the you have all the imagery of the people turning against like the message of the Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a distortion of her message. You know, bring me your sick, your poor, your huddled masses, and now it's you know people turning on that my my favorite line from this song i actually wrote down is the melting pot is melting down so that's very much talking about you know the history how this country was built people from all over the place and now suddenly we've turned tight on that and you know no foreigners keep you know keep america yeah american for americans you know so yeah. yeah, my favorite line that I wrote down was a dirty mirror shows the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty cool. It's deep, man. There was a lot going on in this song. It was cool. Well, and it's cool and timely because we're talking about statues, we're talking about monuments and to personify yeah. Yeah. Lady Liberty, you know, and, and to, to uh, you know, it sounds corny to say it this way, but to like to sit down and have a conversation with her, like, how do you feel about what's going on? Or, or you know, to, to imagine her in that role. Um, it was a pretty cool concept, I thought. Yeah. Even even if it was a little dark, <laughs> a lot dark. <laughs> Feedback What's that? so far. What's that? What are you thinking so far? You're hanging in there with us. Yeah, I'm I'm loving the commentary. I think a lot of times this will be this happens between me and Jeremy anyway. Like I may not be super familiar with the band, and so then he'll give me some recommendations. So I'm just kind of like Make a little list here for tomorrow morning to li- what to listen to, but sounds all in all pretty damn good. Uh, it was very good. I loved it. <laughs> I gotta say, if we're ready to move on to the next track, I I have something very important to say. Resurrection well, man, take his work. Right. Yeah, resurrection man. So this has the best beginning of any of the songs because <laughs> you get the awesome. Bleh! 
<laughs> this one had the chimes, right? At the beginning? I think so, yeah. yeah. But I, that's the best in like uh, punk or hardcore metal when you just get a bleh. <laughs> that's yeah. it. Let's go on to the next one. <laughs> Nothing more to be said. Yeah. This one also had a great breakdown and tempo change in the middle. Oh my God. Yes. That's exactly what I wrote about is the sick ramp up in the middle and the ridiculous breakdown at the end. <laughs> so good, man. But, and the message was pretty cool too. Is the resurrection man is kind of takes on many forms to prey on his fellow man. And it's kind of cool. I kind of took, out of this um, sort of how the system is burying some people the some people just can't get out, you know, yeah. the lower the you know, um, sort of the least of our society just can't seem mm -hmm. to ever get a foothold. And that's kind of what I took out of it. Yeah. What I, what I got from it was kind of, is like very much talking about the system taking down the man. And mm -hmm. that's what the resurrection man I took from it was that, there's always going to be something that is putting its thumb on you. And that's the resurrection man is able to changing over time. It's always somebody different putting the thumb down on the, on the little guy. Yeah. See, when you said, what am I thinking Steve earlier? That's a great comment, Jeremy, because sometimes uh, we've talked about this before. Bands can go political. And it can be a turnoff sometimes. And sometimes they start that way, like breaking into the machine. Um, yeah. But so many times I get turned off when it's like so pointed at like one person at one point in time, you know, and I, and so mm -hmm. it seems short-sighted sometimes when this like system, you know, a bunch like, of variables in there. People are putting it in there. It's a system itself that's kind of corrupt. And uh, so I'm interested to hear it and I'm not turned off at all right now by all the political. Yeah. It's really a lot more big picture, I think. I mean, it's it's very angry and it's very much, you know, fuck the man kind of stuff. But it's it's more, I feel like it's more big picture. You know, it's a broader stroke. It's not just you right there. You suck, you know. It's more like we need to wake up and see what's going on and figure this shit out. Yeah, it's societal for sure. Yeah, a little different when you're taking a swipe at a system or a, you know, an entire complex, an industrial complex. Uh, it's it's one thing to write a song about a specific person, but mm -hmm. yeah, they de they definitely take shots at the in, that, like you said, take a broad stroke view of things, and that that kind of helps the politics sometimes. It's not po it's not politics at that point. It's a it's a real look at uh, systemic things, and it's a little easier to rage at. So yeah, for sure. It's true. The <laughs> next one gets a little more pointed. Yeah, um, it's got my boy too. It does have your boy, but it's all, you know, it's kind of the big business taking advantage, polluting the world for their own gain. In this case, it happens to be water pollution. I don't know mm -hmm. if it has anything to do with Flint, Michigan, but I, I could assume that it might have something because people are poisoning us in the name of commerce, uh, yeah. according to Blythe. So, uh, great song. And it was really nice to have Josta in this one. Yep. Because it's such a difference in their growls. Yes. When they're raging, there's a big difference there. And it was really cool to yeah. hear the two uh, off and on there together. Randy's voice very much comes more from the like death metal world. Like there's a lot more of that element, even though I wouldn't really consider Lamb of God death metal in any no. way, shape, or form. But that's kind of where his style comes from. And Josta is much more old school, hardcore. Like, you know, the yelling. It's all yelling kind of in key. <laughs> it's almost like Blythe's is like in the back of his throat or something. There's like a yeah. rattle there that's not in Josta's. And again, yeah. I'm not a musician, so <laughs> I yeah. don't know exactly what that's called. <laughs> but these guys, these guys are super good friends. So it's really cool to see them collaborate and you know, I, it's, I always love, I always love when Jamie Josta pops up. I, I thought this song was just had a pretty cool groove that stayed all the way through. That's what I'd written about that. So, other than that, yeah, it's nice to have a guest star. Actually, the next two tracks I have a guest on. Mm -hmm. um, it made a nice little break in the in the music. Yeah, 
I think one of the notes I put was that Jost was perfect because he's a little cleaner, but still just as powerful. Which Very aggro. Yep. Um, and I, I do love the line, um, a legacy, a poison dream, fortunes made on misery, a burning river. I mean, pretty much pointed at uh, water pollution. Which I just can not think of Flint, you know, at that point. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that brings us to uh, routes, roots with Chuck Billy. Yeah. Another one of my favorites. Yeah. About his experience protesting out in uh, North Dakota on the old uh, pipeline. Yep. The only note I made on this song with the lyrics was oil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it definitely was. Yeah. yeah. Um, this one, I guess, as far as what we were talking about with systemic and all that was a little more pointed because it did point to a place in time and, and an experience that he lived. But I like the fact that it's an experience that he lived that he's writing about as opposed to just taking shots at yeah. something that he doesn't necessarily know about because he experienced it and he lived that. Yeah, he was there. Which I thought yeah. was cool. Yeah. Did he have a connection? Did either one of those guys have a connection to the well, Chuck Billy Native American? Chuck, yes, he, he is. is. Chuck yeah. is, yeah. Yes, very much so. Okay. He's He's always, yeah, he likes to get involved in those kind of things and stand up for his fellow Native Americans and stuff. And yeah, yeah that's, it's, he he was there, and I I kind of kind of remember when you know him posting about that and stuff. But it was Standing Rock, is that what it was? Standing Rock, North Dakota. Yep. Okay, that's correct. Gotcha. Was it the Keystone Pipeline coming through? Uh, I don't remember. The I think name. it was. Yeah. yeah, they were trying to take the land, and mm -hmm. uh, God, it was a debacle. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. anyway, all right. Bloodshot Eyes, the next song. I put that it had a, this is very highly technical, super cool groove. All right. <laughs> so you guys want to write that down for later. <laughs> super cool groove. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the things that I took away with this, though, um, was about moving on. You know, like realizing this... where you are and moving on. I'm leaving you behind. I'm never coming back yeah. to suffer there with you. Yeah, um, that's what I that's that was what I took from this. I thought it was cool because it's vague enough that you don't really know if he's talking about a toxic like partner relationship or friendship. You're not you're not sure which it is, but it's obviously someone that he doesn't want to be involved with anymore. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, those are the best. I thought it was kind of radio friendly, too. It was you got kind of an assault there in the middle which is mm -hmm. why it was nice to have those guest vocal tracks because it broke, it, it added a little bit more melody, you know, musically, and it was a nice break. And then this one came back and it, I don't know, my, my uh, really technical <laughs> description was radio friendly. So. <laughs> my, mine was better. <laughs> oh, I'm not arguing that. No, that was oh, okay. Sure, sure. <laughs> no, I but I think if it was a personal situation, I love when they keep it vague enough that we can all take it in. That's yeah. the best poetry is when it can mean something to you at different times or um, it can just mean something to you in general. And it could have nothing to do with what he actually meant, which could be cool. Yep. And sadly, that brings us to the last song on the record, On the Hook. And boy, if you live in Kokomo right now, Oh, no kidding. This song hits home. There is a drug overdose every day or more than one nearly every day with a bad yeah. batch of heroin coming in. But this one, man, he doesn't let anybody off the hook. It's not just about the addiction. He really is yeah, calling out the medical community. Yes. The Hippocratic hypocrites yep. breaking notes and cashing checks. Yeah, I love that. Ocean's worth of ink. Yeah, our nation's disease. I thought that was really a clever way to put that. I loved it. Um, yeah, there's actually, I don't know if you guys have seen it or not, but on Netflix, there's uh, the docuseries The Pharmacist. If you have not seen it, highly suggest it. And it's basically uh, in the ninth ward of New Orleans. So, Tony, here you go. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> and this uh, this kind of pill pusher doctor comes in and just starts writing all these prescriptions, and uh, this kid dies, and he ends up he's the child of a pharmacist, and the pharmacist gets upset with the police because he feels like they're not doing enough, and it just kind of goes from there. So it's really, I mean, it's about this exactly. And it's kind of was kind of at the beginning of that in this area, like he saw it kind of before everybody else did and decided to do something about it. Is this not to get not to give anything away or get too off track, but is this the one where um, he finds somebody that knows something about the death of his kid and he kind of keeps yes. calling him? Okay. Yep. I'm, I've started that. I've, I'm about three episodes. In. It's so good. Yeah, so yep. good. How many uh, episodes is it? Mm, I don't. I don't remember. I don't think it's ten. I don't think it's even yeah. that. Like six or eight. Maybe. I think it's eight. I think it's eight. But if I'm not mistaken, yeah. Cool. Okay. Joe, but do you have it, any thoughts? Uh, musically, I wrote yeah. on my notes: "Speed, speed, speed." <laughs> it's ironic that that's what the song is about. You guys, you guys need to dumb <laughs> it down. We're going to lose some listeners here. <laughs> 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 yeah. So overall, let's give this thing a rating. Joe, out of five, what do you give it? I'll give it a three and a half. It was a good effort. Will you listen again? Uh, parts of it, yes, I will. Uh, especially now that we've talked about the messages, I, I always appreciate the second listen once you've broken down the themes and and you get to listen for certain things. So yeah, I'll go back and listen to some of the tracks over again. Excellent, Monday. Um, I would say probably like four point two five. Um, I really loved it. I will absolutely listen to it again because I love this band. Um, so. You know, I, I don't know what else to say about it. I, I'm happy to hear Art on the record, and that's he's a great fit, and they sound everybody sounds at the top of their game, and I loved it. Excellent. So that you will listen again. Absolutely. Boom. All right, and I would give it at least a four out of five. And the first listen through, I probably would have said a three until I dug into the lyrics. And listened another three or four times, and that definitely went up to at least a four. I will listen again. I think when you rage like that, there has to be a clear message for it to really hit home for me. And I, I, this album was so pointed and so on on point. Sorry, I use that word a lot, um, but it was. Every song just had like something to say. There was no fluff anywhere on this record, and I give him kudos for that. I mean, these songs were all solid. And they all hit home. So definitely four out of five. I will listen again and again and loved it. Yeah. One final request. Oh, sure. Uh, go ahead. Well, I just had a final request since I'm digging in tomorrow and I've had a chance to listen to you guys. Can everybody just give me one? Each of you give me one track. So I'll have three tracks to listen to with my coffee in the morning. Well, I think the consensus would be the first track, Memento Mori. I think everybody would recommend that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just need two more. That's the album over, so you got to have that. All right. Uh, I just need two more. I the album Bath was my favorite. So. Yeah, that's a good one. I would say either New Colossal Hate or Resurrection Man. Those were two of my favorites. All right. Did you have one that stood out to you, Joe, other than the did, ones we just said? Did you say Reality Bath? Yes, that's my favorite Yeah, one. you glitched a little bit. Um, I would say probably uh, Gears for me yeah okay all right thanks guys but what i was gonna say was this album the message behind these tracks and this is like for me coming into being a real metal fan in the late 80s early 90s this is like metal at its best because when i came into it I was listening to like Anthrax, Megadeth, Metallica, uh, all like Testament, all you know, a lot of the thrash stuff, and that's what their all of their songs almost were political. 
-hmm. and it was you know you know raging against the man and you know all kind at that time also there was a lot of censorship stuff going on so you know taking on the uh pmrc and that kind of thing and so this right here like all of these songs this is very much up my alley so i loved it loved that you're not a fan of tipper gore what uh no i had a shirt (laughs) when i was in eighth grade i had a shirt i bought a shirt from this company not company like organization called rock out censorship and it had it had their logo on the front and on the back it said who made tipper gore god <laughs> the pmrc did my mother was very upset when i got that shirt because she said if i wore that people would think i was a radical oh no <laughs> did the first ladies get to pick their 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 pet project when they move into the white house oh man she oh, picked yeah. a doozy she was, she yeah. was a wife Oh, uh, yeah, she picked that, and Michelle Obama picked taking salt out of school. School, yeah, <laughs> take away the school pizza. Yeah. Or Melania's yeah. trying to learn English, so. That parental advisory sticker sold a lot of albums, though. Yes, it did. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Talk about the reverse effect. How about when you forgot to buy the album at, like, Sam Goody, and you bought it at Target or, or Walmart, and you got it home and realized the sticker wasn't there. If it didn't, no, no, no. I was an experienced shopper. If it didn't have the sticker, I wasn't buying it. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Excellent. Great record. Great challenges tonight. Next week, we will be doing the challenge inspired by Lester Bangs with Mr. JPP. We'll be doing the uh, tourney bracket with uh, Tony's challenge, and we're going to review the new Mushroom Head. And I've listened to this probably five times already, and there's like 17 songs on it, and it is dynamite. It is all over the place. You go from slamming to piano ballads to opera, you name it. It's in there. This record is insane. I love it. Where can we find you, Mr. O'Bray? Uh, go to Instagram and punch in Elray four and see my adventures and <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> Do we have to punch it in? Uh, yeah, it helps. <laughs> <laughs> Tea bags. Where can we find you? Yeah. You have to punch it in after a lamb of God. I'm at wanderings and wool gathering on Facebook. That's where I hang out mostly. So stop by, drop a comment or something. Monday. Come say hi on Instagram at Metalhead Monday. Sweet. I am Foggy Spal at Twitter and Instagram, and I'm writing articles over at BreakTheFourth.com. And you can find Wanderings and Wool Gathering on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Castbox, and at Rock985.com. And after you listen, don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next week, and until then, bye now.